0: Welcome to Learning Bible Truth Thank God for another season I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala Dee Here to take you on a tour of the Bible By reading entire books in the Bible Not just one scripture, full chapters And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of Scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the Scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to His Son, Jesus the Christ. I, 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 I Father please Happy late Sunday, Saints. I am Dr. Kamala D of Learning Bible Truth. Today is Sunday, December the 5th. Can you believe that? Already, December the 5th. Uh, I know when I shared a message on Friday about, do you know the signs of the second coming of the, the Christ, that I said I would share episode 19. Yes, we have reached episode 19 the following day, which was yesterday, and that would have been a Saturday, but I made a mistake. I meant to say Sunday. I meant to say I would share episode 19 today. And episode 20, which will be our final episode, will be shared next Saturday. I can guarantee you that. That is on the 11th, December the 11th. My goodness. My goodness. i tell you, this year is flying by. We have so many tragedies going on in this country. And... I want to tell you guys don't stop praying. We are living in the last days, but that can mean uh hundreds more years, you know. So when I start that second series about um do you know the signs of the coming of the uh, the second coming of the Christ, you will um you will have a better understanding. I had a long day today. I've been invited to a wedding which is next Sunday. I don't know if I'm going. They reached out to me today to ask me, "Will I will I attend?" And I said, um, "I don't know. So far, I'm planning on going, but I really don't know. But you need to continue to pray ahead your protection over your family and yourself every day, because sufficient unto this day it's it is its own trouble, and so you need to pray every day." You know, this It's a reason why God says that in his word, because you don't have enough faith for today and tomorrow. You need to pray every day. And, uh, I pray every day for my family, my friends, people in need. And during the last, the last episode, which will be next Saturday, I will share about the changes learning Bible truth will be making for twenty 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 two. 2022. We are going to add a lot of stuff and change the name. Now, Learning Bible Truth will still be in it, but we are going to add another name to it. But I tell you, the you have to remember the ground is cursed. It's been cursed since Adam. And when Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, which we were never under, uh, including the, the children of Israel, they were redeemed from the curse of the law, those who are in Christ. He never said that the ground would not remain cursed. So we, as long as we are living in these times, you will hear about tragedy after tragedy, after tragedy, and so on and so forth. It is so unfortunate. And I tell you, sometimes I don't even want to watch the news, but let's get this truth on the road. We have reached episode 19, like I have mentioned a few minutes ago, and we will continue in the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel chapter nine. Yes, chapter nine. We are finding Jesus in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. The pre-incarnate Christ existed in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures, and uh, I have been getting a lot of feedback, great feedback from people saying they had no idea. They are so happy they know what these scriptures mean now, but I want you to continue to study. When I call out scriptures, because you guys know who, who, you know, those of you who have been listening to me for Uh, Quite some time. If I were to read and quote every scripture that I study, we would be here five, six hours. And you know, (laughs) I can't talk five or six hours right now. But uh, turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, I will be reading from the NIV. And of course, if I want to quote a scripture from another version of the Bible, I will. I have the New King James sitting on the side. I may switch to the ESV, the English standard version, but I may not. I may stick with the NIV, but who knows? As we continue to move forth, let's see how the Holy Spirit guides me. In any event, turn to your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Daniel, the prophet Daniel chapter 9, and I will be reading verses 25 and 26 to start off this episode. Know and understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, for those of you who are also using the NIV, you may see that there will be seven sevens, but I already know what that means. It means weeks. So rather than me use the word seven sevens, I'm going to say seven weeks. And I'm sharing that with those of you who are also reading from the NIV, okay? So there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. Verse 26, after the 62 weeks, the anointed one will be cut off which means executed or slain and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. My goodness, my goodness the angel Gabriel had appeared to the prophet Daniel and gave him this prophecy in the scriptures that we just read. Now, verses 20 and 23, Gabriel began by saying, 70 weeks are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions, to put an end to sin, to atone for weakness or wickedness, I'm sorry, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And that was Daniel 9, 24. So I'm sorry I had to read 25 and 26 first, but verses 20, 23, and 24 had to be read after those two scriptures. That's why I have uh, what we call a commentary. Now, what does the angel mean when he spoke of 70 weeks? Now, we are getting ready to deal with some numbers, okay? I am getting ready to confirm to you that this prophecy that the prophet Daniel prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, happened exactly when Daniel said it would happen. And mind you, Daniel never met the Messiah in person, okay? So... We need to talk a little bit about what it means when he spoke of 70 weeks. Now, while we think in in tens, you know, i.e. decimals, the Hebrews, on the other hand, had in mind in terms of sevens, there are seven days in a week beginning on the Sabbath day and every seven years was a Sabbath year. Now, a year-long vacation of allowing the fields to lie dormant, seven times seven years, every 49 years, the Jews celebrated the year of Jubilee. That was a time when debts were forgiven and indentured servants. These were people who were in debt. They were set free from those debts. And you can read about that in um, the laws that um, the second given of the law. No, that's in Deuteronomy. This is Leviticus chapter 25, beginning at verse 10, how the Israelites were set free from those debts. The, the Jews, everyone who they were indebted to was set free during the year of Jubilee. We need that here in America. Now, the Hebrews were also used to days um, that were coming to mean years. And you can read about that in Numbers fourteen thirty four. Now we are told that 40 days of the spies' visitation of the land would be equivalent to 40 years the people would wander in the wilderness. So Gabriel's 70 weeks are seen to be 70 weeks of years, or we can say 490 years. I hope you guys are able to follow me. I knew when I was studying this, I said, oh goodness, I hope they are able to follow me. Just, just, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding as I read and as I share the the, um, definition of these scriptures. The angel continued to say in verse 24 that six things would happen within the time frame of 490 years. Listen carefully. First the angel said transgression would be finished and then second the angel said that time would be needed to put an end to sin thirdly the angel said atonement for wickedness would be made and fourth everlasting righteousness would be brought in and fifth vision and prophecy would be sealed up now finally the angel said the most holy, would be anointed. The beginning of 490 years would be triggered by a decree to rebuild Jerusalem. That's in verse 25. Now in Ezra chapter 7, verses 11 through 28, you don't have to go there. um, We have a decree by King Artaxerxes in approximately 457 BC, allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem and restore the city. Now, if we are counting 483 years from that date, we arrive at the approximate time that Jesus began his earthly ministry. I want you to read verses 25 uh, where only 69 weeks or 483 years were counted. Now, in that ministry, Jesus would work to finish transgressions to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, prophecy would be sealed up. Now, at the coming of the anointed, which is the most holy, because it dealt with him and no one else. It dealt with the Messiah. Now, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah. We all know that. Now, in Daniel 9, 25, we are told who this most holy one is. He is definitely the Messiah, the Christ. Now, in verse 26, we are told that the Messiah will be cut off or either he would be slain or executed. These words were unthinkable to the Hebrew mind in that the Messiah they expected, and I've talked about this throughout this series, would come as a great political deliverer in power and great glory. Now, again, they look from the mountaintop of prophecy to the mountaintop of Christ's second coming. They never seen that little small hill called Calvary. Now, in the latter part of verse 26, Gabriel spoke of the people of the ruler who will come. This ruler and his people would destroy Jerusalem and the temple, which had been rebuilt during the 483 years since King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed it during Daniel's lifetime. Now, this destruction of Jerusalem and the temple was literally fulfilled in 70 A.D., now, when Titus and the Roman legions took the city by siege, Jesus spoke of the destruction of the temple in Luke 21 verse 6. He says this, as for the temple, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. The temple sacrifice and offerings of verse 27 Was ended and has never been reinstated for almost 2,000 years. But that's not exactly accurate. 50 days after the Passover, when Jesus was executed, a new eternal temple was erected in Jerusalem. That temple is Christ's church, which is known as the body of Christ, of which he is the chief cornerstone. Now, I want you to go to the book of Hosea. We are moving away from Daniel for now and going to the prophet Hosea, chapter 2. Hosea, chapter 2. And I'm going to read um, verse 23 and then we're going to go into um, chapter 3, verse 1, because chapter 23 ends chapter 2. So I will be reading Hosea chapter two twenty three and then chapter 3, verse 1. And I am reading, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my love, not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, which is us, the Gentiles, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Now, Chapter three, verse one, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. My goodness. Now, very early on in the Old Testament, the Lord instituted marriage between a man and a woman. (coughs) Excuse me, saints. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper uh, suitable for him. That's in Genesis 2.18. So God created a partner for Adam to procreate a race of human beings and to assist him in his task of managing God's creation. Now in Genesis chapter 11, we have the record of Abraham's marriage to Sarah. I'm going somewhere with this, saints. Their son Isaac would marry Rebekah and so on. Jesus would also take a bride. A far greater bride is being prepared for Jesus, his church, the body of Christ, or we can say his chosen ones. The book of Hosea begins a section of the Bible we call the minor prophets. They are not minor in the quality of what they write to us, but in quantity, they are very short. The book deals with an order that Hosea received from God. Now in Hosea 1 chapter 2 and verse 3, God tells Hosea, he says this, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. And verse 3 says, So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblayne, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, this marriage was ordered by God to symbolize and to make clear to the nation Israel Hosea's message to God's chosen people. They were a sinful, unfaithful people. They were prone to wonder, just wander away from God and start worshiping idol gods, gods made by the hands of men. But throughout all their unfaithfulness, I want y'all to hear this, the Lord would remain faithful to them. Okay. Now these scriptures also has a message for us. Our justification is the monogistic work of God now? Mono means one salvation is God's sole work alone. Because as you can see, and as you've been hearing throughout this series, the children of Israel have been so disrespectful and constantly turning their backs on God throughout this entire Bible. The Old Testament was all about. God's people turning their backs on him and him constantly showing mercy. So I want you to get this. We are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone because the children of Israel had already broken the covenant, the Mosaic covenant that they made with God through Moses. They had already broken that, but God remained faithful. Why? Can y'all remember I shared this with you? Why God remained faithful to the children of Israel? Not just because they were a special people, but because of the promise he made to their forefathers. And just like the promise he made to us through his son, Jesus, Jesus' blood, he will never turn his back on us either. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are saved by God's grace alone through our faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. Our entire salvation from the new birth. To our glorification is the work of God's spirit working in us. Philippians 2.13, the Apostle Paul says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. In Revelation chapter 19 through chapter 22, we are given glimpses of the wedding supper of the Lamb to his bride, the saints of God, the body of Christ, his church. It says in Revelation uh, 19 verses seven and um, through nine, God says this, the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, and I, and, and that's what I meant to say, what the angel was saying to John, the revelator. Then the angel said to me, Write: blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. Then in Revelation chapter 21, verse nine, we read this. One of the seven angels said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now we all know who the lamb is. The lamb is Christ. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are formally engaged to him now by his grace and the faith he gives us. Now one day we will attain or either attempt that supper in heaven and will declare in shouts as the bride of the living God. Now, this may seem crazy and ridiculous to unbelievers, to the, the uh, natural mind, because unbelievers have natural minds and believers have carnal minds, which is why we are told that we need to not lean on our own understanding and that we need to understand this from a spiritual aspect. We are being prepared right now to be the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For our God Almighty reigns. Yes, he does. So let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 and 7. Now hop on over to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. Okay, and I am reading come, let us return to the Lord. This is the prophet Hosea telling the Israelites, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Verse two, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us. Underline that. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Verse three, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Now I want you to notice the phrase in these scriptures on the third day. He will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Hosea was written in the 8th century BC, over 700 years before these words of Hosea would be fulfilled in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus was the one who was restored on the third day. But make no mistake about it, his resurrection guaranteed our own salvation. We who have come to Christ by faith as Lord and Savior, we are guaranteed our salvation. Now, I want you to go to the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I think, let me, I'm looking through my notes, the 15th chapter. Uh, the uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and go to verses 20 and 23. Um, this is one of the most wonderful scriptures in the word of God, I believe. Its theme is the resurrection of Jesus and of those who trust in him. And this is what the apostle Paul says. And this is, um, beginning at verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 21 for since death came through a man talking about Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man talking about Jesus Christ for as in Adam all died. That's verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Verse 23, but each in his own turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Now, the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most firmly documented events in human history. In verses 5 through 8 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul presents a host of witnesses who actually saw the risen Lord. In a court of law, one or two witnesses may bring an appropriate verdict that is beyond a reasonable doubt, but Paul can bring in over 500 witnesses. Now, the resurrection of Jesus cannot be denied by reasonable men, Okay. Some have tried to deny it by offering some spurious theories such as Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He, you know, merely just fainted, and then the apostles took him down from the cross and hid him in the, and a bunch of doctors came in. Let me tell you something, I haven't heard it all. A bunch of doctors came in and, and nursed him back to health. Everybody just trying their best to discount Jesus as being the Messiah when we have all of these scriptures. But keep in mind what Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, unless a man is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. And that word see in the Greek simply means he cannot come to know or understand the kingdom of God. And also remember that Those of this age, the God of this age has blinded the mind of those, the unbelievers. So they they don't understand who Jesus is. They can't see Jesus. They don't know who he is. They can't even see him in the Old Testament scriptures. Like these scriptures I just read, you can clearly see that the prophet Hosea is talking about Jesus. So that meant that the deal was closed. The transaction was finished. It was completed. Everything was accomplished on the cross. So the resurrection of Jesus is a done deal. It is official. There will not be another sacrificial lamb. There will not be another savior. Jesus is the man. Jesus is it. So in verse 3 of our opening scriptures of Hosea, it reads like this. As surely as the sun rises he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. So our resurrection with Jesus is also a done deal. It is official because he rose from the dead in a physical body. Our bodies too will be resurrected when he appears again. It is as certain as the sun rising tomorrow, yet we see it now only through the eyes of faith. So in Romans chapter 8 verse 30, we have these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, and those God predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So have you ever noticed that Paul's verbs are all in the past tense? That's because our resurrection with Jesus has been assured since Jesus rose up on the third day, almost 2,000 years ago, or probably a little over 2,000 years ago. It's a done deal, saints. It is a done deal. Now, trot on over to the book of Jonah the book of Jonah chapter one. And so while you are looking for it, I'm going to read verse 17 and then we are going to go into chapter two and I'm going to read verse 10. Okay. This is Jonah chapter one, verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights from inside the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now, chapter two, verse 10 says, and the Lord commanded the fish, And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, this is from the NIV. Your words may be a little different, but we should be in the same place. Once again, we see Jesus foreshadowed by an Old Testament character like Joseph, like Samson, like David, like Elijah, like Elisha and others before him. Jonah was just a man, a sinner, yet whose life pointed to the one who would be our sinless savior. Absolutely. Now, you know the story of Jonah, if you read it, Jonah was ordered by God to go to preach to Nineveh. Nineveh was a wicked Gentile city of the Assyrians and Nineveh's were people of color, but God knew that that was a great city. Nineveh was a great city and he asked Jonah to go and tell them that if they didn't stop, if they didn't turn their lives around and stop attacking Israel, that he would destroy that city in 41 days. Because they hated Israel for some reason, they were enemies to Israel. Rather than obey God, Jonah ran the other way and he caught a boat you know, that was heading toward Tarshish. You can read the book of Jonah, it's not that long. They ran into a storm and Jonah was thrown overboard after he told the sailors his story. He told them why that storm had appeared and was rocking that boat. So he asked them really to throw him overboard. So an earlier chapter of water, we, we spoke about an earlier chapter of water being either a type of judgment or of blessing. Okay. Now here, the waters of the Mediterranean Sea point to judgment as Jonah was judged to have caused the violent storm and was thrown into the churning waters, God brought discipline to just come down on Jonah, his unfaithful prophet. Yes, Jonah was very defiant against God. He did not w- he wanted God to destroy Nineveh, but God said, Mm-mm, I sent you on a mission and that's what you have to go do. So he tried to go run and hide from God and got on a ship Unbelievable. Now Jonah's actions were so unlike the Lord's. Now, whereas Jonah ran away from his duty to God, but Jesus ran toward his ordained duty and appointment with the cross, but God would not leave Jonah in the waters of judgment. He didn't. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's in verse 17. Now here, the pattern of our Lord's death and resurrection may be clearly seen as our Lord spoke of his own death and resurrection in Matthew 12, verse 40. This is what the Lord says. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, So the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, how can you read Matthew 12, 40, and then read the scriptures we just read in Jonah and not connect the two and not know that Jonah represented Jesus's death and resurrection? How can we not know that? Now, I want you to remember this. When Jonah was in the belly of the fish, He prayed this prayer and we all need to follow Jonah when we are in the belly of our storm. Okay, Jonah said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. He was literally in hell. To the, excuse me, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now, that was Jonah chapter 2, verses 2 through verses 7, okay? Now, I want you to notice in the middle of Jonah's prayer, he cried out, I have been banished from your sight yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Now, how like Jesus who said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27, 46, Jesus too knew that his father would raise him from the grave, just as Jonah while in the fish. Now, our Lord, like Jonah, could say, but you, Father, brought my life up from the pits of hell. My Lord, either way, Jonah's faith was in the Lord. You have to remember that his faith was in the Lord and he was in the pits of hell while he was in the belly of the fish. Now in chapter two, verses eight and nine, Jonah says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Verse nine, but I with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord the fish could not hold the prophet. It couldn't hold Jonah just as the grave could not hold Jesus. That's why Jesus said to those unbelieving Pharisees, the only sign you're going to be given is the sign of Jonah. He wanted them to read Jonah. They still didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. The same scriptures we are reading now was made available to the Pharisees and Sadducees back then. Okay. Now Jonah got up and went to Nineveh. He finally did. He completed the task, and. He preached repentance to the Assyrians and guess what? They accepted it and they, they, they changed their lives around. They stopped attacking Israel. They believed him because they knew Jonah was a prophet of God. So our Lord also commanded that we do the same saying, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19. Now let's slide on over to Micah. We, we barely hear ministers quote from Micah, do we? Micah, the book of Micah, and I'm only going to quote one verse, chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now we have already seen in Genesis 49.10, throughout this series, as well as other places that the Messiah would come from the line of Judah. The land originally given to the tribe of Judah surrounded Jerusalem and included nearby Bethlehem. So I want you to read Joshua, the whole chapter of 15 in reference to that. Now, the new Testament makes it abundantly clear that Bethlehem is precisely the place where Jesus was born to his virgin mother, Mary. Okay. Now Luke chapter two, verses four through six says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Verse five, he went there to register for the census with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Verse 6 says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Mary went into labor while they were there to register for the census. That's why she was born in Bethlehem. Okay. Now we have seen in chapter 83 that the Gentiles' magic from the East knew from Micah's prophecy that Bethlehem in Judah was indeed the prophesied place in Matthew 2, 1, 2. So Micah, writing approximately 700 years before the birth of Jesus, he literally pinpointed the exact town where his delivery into this world would take place. Now, some critics have argued that Micah 5, 2 does not refer to the town of Bethlehem. Unbelievable. The devil ain't nothing nice, honey. Y'all don't know what we teachers go through and then have to prove the scriptures to be be right. They're going by theories. We are going by facts. Unbelievable. Now, they say Bethlehem uh, was not the Messiah's birthplace. They say that Bethlehem Ephrathah refers to the descendants of a man named Ephrathah. Now, you know that's not what the scripture says but the Bible refutes their claim. See, that's why you got to stick with the word. Don't listen to these people out here who don't know the Bible. Stick with the word. Now, for example, in Genesis 35, 19, we read this. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephra. Ephra, Ephrathah is the same. That is Bethlehem. Again, in 1 Samuel 17, 12, we have these words that speak of Israel's great king. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Now, how you can misunderstand that? I'm just just saying, how can you misunderstand that? Now, the place referred to by Micah is clearly Bethlehem in Judah. Now, what else did Micah have to say about this ruler? I want you to notice that Micah continued in verse 2. He says, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Micah speaks of the pre-existent Christ, the creator of the universe. Jesus is also the ruler of the universe he created. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, we read these consecrated words. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Speaking of Jesus, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one, verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet, whose feet? The Messiah's feet, Christ, our Lord, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, the body of Christ. So Jesus is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords. Revelation 19 16. Now, in verse 4 and 5, Micah states of this coming one, He will stand and shepherd His flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord His God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Now, this shepherd will clearly not just be a deliverer or shepherd to the nation Israel alone. His greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. His blessing and the rule will be for the whole world. Now, one last word before we leave Micah's prophecy. In chapter 6, verse 8, these words appear. He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In his earthly ministry, Jesus was continually challenged and harassed by the leaders of the Jewish people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They had cast this particular verse aside and, and, and had tried to establish their own righteousness by attempting to keep every little detail of the Mosaic law, which they could not do. Jesus had condemned their selfish attempts at righteousness. He said this in Matthew 23, 23. I want you guys to remember this scripture, Matthew 23, 23. This is our Lord and savior talking. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now, I want to stray away for a second here. Just digress. You notice when Jesus said you give a tenth, he's talking about a tithe. Remember I told you that tithing was never money. It was food. And my brother in Christ, um, Pastor Fred K. Price, Jr., taught a three-part series called Tithing Under Grace. It's on my podcast. You can listen to it, where he showed you in detail in the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament that tithing was never money. And in the Old Testament, those who paid tithe were the children of Israel paid tithe a tenth of food to the Levitical priesthood so God could have food in his house for the priest. It had nothing to do with money. And right here, Jesus just proved it. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, which means tithe. Tithe may be in your version if you have the New King James or the King King James version. He says, you give a tenth or a tithe of your spices, your mint, your dill, and cumin. Now, all this is related to food but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, which means treating people right and fairly. Mercy, which means forgiving people and showing compassion towards people. And faithfulness, which means being faithful to the word of God. Uh Uh-huh. You should have practiced the latter. Jesus said, yeah, you should have paid your tithes. But you also, he said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You don't neglect the justice and mercy and faithfulness, meaning uh, your version may say the weightier matters of the law. It says neglect the more important matters in the NIV, but it may say the weightier matters of the law, which means the same thing, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Faithfulness is to God. They weren't being faithful to God. They had created their own traditions and were following their own rules and regulations. They hadn't changed. And I give you a little nugget here. All four of the Gospels are still a part of the Old Testament. Yes, yes, you can pick your jaw off the floor. It's still a part of the Old Testament. Because the New Testament didn't begin until Jesus died and rose again. That's when the Old Testament was abolished that's why Jesus kept every aspect of the law. That's why the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes were still under the law because they were still in um, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, okay? The New Covenant did not begin until Jesus Christ died on the cross. Therefore, The New Testament really doesn't begin until the book of Acts or either Romans, because all four of the Gospels, Jesus was still living until the very end. So the Gospels are still the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, ultimately, these men, the men who Jesus was talking to, would send Jesus to his death. Now, we are the same way. We neglect justice. We neglect mercy. We don't forgive people. Uh, uh, we, we, and and as we can see today, our government has, has gone a whole complete different way. They are not seeking justice only in a few minor high profile cases, and they definitely ain't faithful to God. Now, government was established by God, but I want you to understand we live in a democracy. The people are putting these people in office. God is not the people are. That's why we have polls. That's why we, we, we have days, certain days we go and vote. The people are electing these crooked officials. They are breaking the law in front of our faces and nobody is marching for that. Now, I don't want to go off in that, but it, let me tell you, in 2022, I'm going to be giving a lot of episodes or sharing and teaching on a lot of episodes in reference to these scriptures about these, the crooked government and what is going to happen to them. So like I just said, ultimately, these men sent Jesus to his death. And we are the same way, y'all. And y'all know it. We, we don't um, have uh, justice every day in every situation. We don't forgive people. We don't show mercy and, and, and sympathy and empathy for people. And we show sure nothing faithful to God. We need the ruler from Bethlehem to rule in our hearts by faith. And then we will be able to show justice and mercy and be faithful to God continuously and consistently every day. So saints, that's it. I know that um, this episode was shorter than most. And you know, the last couple episodes was what? An hour long? But uh, the final episode will be shared um, next Saturday. Yes, we will close this thing out and I will be sharing some updates about Learning Bible Truth, how God is blessing this ministry. So saints, um, for those of you who are listening to the sound of my voice, I want you, if you haven't met the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, Christ Jesus, now is the time because tomorrow is not promised to you. We are living in some perilous times. You can go to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 and you can also read verse 11. You need to accept Christ. And if you are ready, you can say these words with me. Romans 9, 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's it. That's how simple salvation is. God has made this playing field leveled to where any man can come to Christ and be saved. You don't have to do no backflips. You don't have to do no cartwheels. You don't have to follow no rituals. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, hallelujah, you can say, Father God, just follow this prayer, saints. Father God, your word says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. God, I am confessing that Jesus is Lord of my life right now. And I believe that he is seated at your right hand right now. That means I believe he is alive. And God, according to your word, I'm saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, saints. Praise God. Welcome to the household of faith. Get into a faith-based teaching church. You can continue to follow learning Bible truth because the objective is now, once you are born again, after you made that confession, is that you grow in faith and faith can only come by hearing God's word. Hallelujah. That's the only way you can grow in faith is if you hear God's word, rightly divided. So saints, until next Saturday, when we close this thing out, I want you to treat everyone that you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. And if a door is open for you to share Christ, you need to share Christ, not condemnation. You need to share the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. The good news is the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. Doesn't matter what you have done. I don't care. You could have killed a hundred people last night and come to Christ today and be saved. Now, let me tell you something. You will suffer the consequences for your actions here on earth, but you could still spend eternity with God. Hallelujah. So until next time, saints, peace out. you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to truth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.